0: Okay, hello there, and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley Salmon,
1: We're am towing up here, hoping you're all doing great, Dan and Guelph.
0: <laughs> we are doing great. Uh, I'm just wrapping up uh, wrapping up the Halloween season by watching uh, Halloween Resurrection, the, the one where Busta Rhymes fights michael myers with like remedial karate it's uh
1: when when is this (laughs) work
0: from uh i think it came out in 2002 or 2003
1: okay that makes yeah more sense (laughs)
0: because then then they went to the rob zombie reboot um and then there were two of those and then um we took 10 years off before um the david gordon green trilogy so
1: Yes, uh, what are your thoughts on the Rob Zombie one?
0: Uh, Halloween 2 is interesting because it actually uh, talks about trauma. It was like it was about 10 years ahead of its time It's sort of dealing with the trauma of like being the target of a serial killer and h- how that affects you years later. but uh, it's not bad.
1: I just remember the young boy playing the growing up him to do a really good job. Oh yeah, I, know, I don't remember if that was the first Rob Zombie or second one, but uh, mm-hmm. I hope I hope that dude's looking good. And I'm glad there's people like you still repping for <laughs> for the Zombie Halloweens.
0: <laughs> it's not bad. They're, they're not bad movies. They're not. I mean, um, you know the the scene in the first Rob Zombie Halloween where he's sitting on the curb uh, listening to Rush because no one took him treat- <laughs> trick or treating. That's a little that's a little rough, but I mean. Yeah. they're... The, Rub Zombie can sometimes has good ideas. Anyway, uh, end credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk about the latest in pop culture and review review the news movies, which this week will be the new American crime drama, Killers of the Flower Moon, which you can now see in a theater near you. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to see it in the theater, although it will be on Apple TV Plus uh, at some point. Um, that's gonna be in the back half of the show for the first half. Uh we're gonna uh try and uh I don't know, buttress the, the, the sort of pull of negativity and you know when we're talking about doing feel-good movies to, to kick yeah. off the show, um this is before like kind of the 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 series of deaths that have happened in the last week. Um, you know, Richard Roundtree passed away last week uh richard mull who people may remember as the bailiff from night court and then you know the big one matthew perry was i know found dead crazy. on saturday night yeah so i mean and then you have susan summers uh a couple of weeks ago piper Laurie.
1: yes i love three's company susan summers rest in peace that's it's been a uh it's been a rough week rough couple of weeks
0: yeah so um, you know, if, you know we chandler couldn't...
1: really yeah, i would say caught me off guard yeah, most. especially because he was in his pool. And his last—I follow him on Instagram. His last Instagram one was just like a real funny one about the pool. You know, I don't know if I'll be able to look. Oh at my god! Oh, my you're kidding way. me. He had an no, Instagram like, post a, about his pool. Yeah, yeah, and just like how dope it was, which is true. It's awesome, but yeah, it's just. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's eerie, but um, no, he oh. was he was great, but yeah, I, I didn't even think about it though. So you mentioned it. It's been a it's been a high amount, higher than average amount of uh, there's, there's... celebrity deaths.
0: There's going to be an E-True Hollywood story about Matthew Perry's pool now, just because that seems that seems like it's ripe for urban legendizing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so if we didn't need uh, some feel-good movies before seeing Killers of the Flower Moon, we definitely needed them after. <laughs> um, so I, di- I didn't really have any sort of set criteria. I mean, I guess what feels good to you is is good enough um although i was looking at other lists of like feel good movies like spike lee's inside man was on one list and i'm, I'm not entirely sure what about <laughs> inside man is supposed to make you feel good i guess unless you're you're looking for a dad movie on a sunday afternoon but yeah maybe maybe that <laughs> but there's some there's some truly bizarre choices out there um but peter why don't we get to your choice uh, or your first choice uh, for a feel good movie suggestion?
1: Okay, so for me, Feel Good is one that just takes away any worry that sadness or anger Mm -hmm. will be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it is Kung Fu Hustle because it is all action and comedy. That's it. And it's just, it's outstanding. It's one of the funniest films made. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle is the 2000 film action comedy by Stephen Chow, who is... Uh, like a plus list uh, regarding China director, mm-hmm. um, you know, billions mm-hmm. of dollars. Um, and Kung Fu Hustle is just amazing action comedy. It's it's outstanding Kung Fu. And then the characters doing this Kung Fu are just very, very funny. Um, in particular, it takes a look at class issues and just the different uh gang lifestyles as well in china um the axe gang in particular um who are uh like since tw- 1921 have been depicted in films uh mm-hmm. i don't know i don't think they're real but they have been <laughs> depicted in chinese films for a long time mm-hmm. um and just yeah really really fun and included in this one uh and something i love about it that just really makes it so you don't you don't have to you, Paying attention is good but like you don't have to care so much uh and that's because it's heavily surreal uh the one person gets attacked and they just run and they hide for like a week inside a traffic light like a big mechanical traffic light they just kind of hide above traffic in a traffic light for a week and they're totally fine um <laughs> it's just it's just a wild film but a lot of great comedy a lot of great action um but uh to make it feel even better it's also it like it got critical acclaim it it deals Mm -hmm. with social matters um and in particular the martial arts is is really great Mm -hmm. and uh the music too um so yeah kung fu hustle it's just solely comedy and action but Mm -hmm. directed in like a fantastic way and just, yeah, it makes me feel really good. It pumps up the iron and it makes you happy. It makes you laugh. So, like, iron and dopamine are just rushing up to your brain
0: with Kung Fu hustle. Hustle. Uh, interesting choice. I wasn't uh, expecting that. I did look up the Axe Gang. There's a Wikipedia article and it says the Axe Gang. Uh, it's a reference to a gang founded in 1921, but it is currently used for show in cinema. It has appeared in a few Kung, Hong Kong martial arts. Okay, but they films. were a real fan at some point. Art yes, the fictional the fictional version of the Axe Gang is based on a real life Axe Gang in Shanghai around Japanese occupation with a leader named Wang Ya Kuo. That's cool. So, um, oh yeah, the yeah.
1: Uh, drunk drunken master villains too are apparently based. That
0: that's that's cool. Yeah drunken masters one uh they first appeared in boxer from shangtang in 1972 um so well, like
1: you my degrees in history so that's maybe another <laughs> reason it really <laughs> pleases me because it's actually got some historical accuracy or at least a homage to
0: it yeah long live the axe gang um yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh my first one is kind of historical uh or at least it takes place in the past and does involve like a real historical figure it's also a martin scorsese movie and um martin scorsese is not well known for his uh feel-good movies let's say no uh, i can't even guess what your <laughs> pick is oh really it <laughs> is one on the more recent side uh it's hugo which was uh mm. 2011 uh based on a, a, a ya novel Um, but it is about a boy named Hugo uh who is essentially orphaned. Uh his uncle he he lives with his uncle in the Parisian train station, um, but his uncle's a a drunkard. Uh and one day his uncle just doesn't come home. And so Mm. Hugo just goes about his business and uh keeps winding the clocks. Uh, this is back in the day where you had to wind a clock um in the Parisian train station so that uh he doesn't get sent to the orphanage, he keeps busy. And uh, he, he runs across uh, one day this automaton and uh, with uh, the help of a, a young friend played by Chloe Grace Moretz, they managed to uh, fix it. And it draws a picture of the rocket crashing into the eye of the moon that is well known from George Milieu's, uh I think it's his 1902 film, uh, A Trip to the Moon and this leads to the discovery that uh the chloe grace moretz's character her godfather is george melies mm. and uh he has been largely the, the film takes place in 1931 he has largely given up on film because his uh studio was uh closed during world war 1 uh all his film stock was smelted down to make the to get the raw materials for the war effort and so he thinks all his films are lost he got rid of all his his props and his his books and this automaton is sort of like the one thing that sort of survives or we think is the one thing that has sort of survived of his film career at the very beginning of the the invention of cinema so it's um like i said it's a feel good movie it's about found families and it's about an orphan uh who finds a family finds a place where he belongs uh it is about uh the history of film essentially the very beginning of film And we both know, uh, or everyone who's listening probably knows, Scorsese is something of a film savant. This is somebody who is not just a director, but he lives, breathes, eats, sleeps films, um, and has not only spent his his, his life and his career making movies, but also working on film preservation and um, being committed to film presentation as well. Um, People may remember a few weeks ago, all the controversy around cutting staff at turner classic movies uh martin scorsese was one of the directors with, along with steven spielberg and pta who had like an intervention with the head of warner brothers <laughs> about that um so it, it's about a love of film but it's also about how uh love uh love of the love of love of a thing can destroy you as is it nearly destroyed george milliers and uh it's also about how even sometimes the bad guys aren't necessarily bad guys, which is uh, not in keeping with uh, Martin Scorsese's oeuvre at all, uh, where the bad guys are usually very bad guys. Um, but you know, the bad guy in Hugo is the the, the train conductor um, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, who mm-hmm. is essentially Hugo's nemesis in the film. But even he's not a bad guy. He's struggling with PTSD and uh, losing a leg in the war so um it's it's a it's a incredibly life-affirming movie and and, and it's standing out in the in the scorsese uh resume also it's uh very heavily relying on vfx which isn't a bad thing because the vfx are very well done in it It's it was also filmed in 3d which i think would make this the only scorsese film to be uh
1: is, is shutter island not 3d
0: it might have been released in 3D, but I don't think it was filmed in 3D.
1: Oh, okay, so this one, like, only available in 3D. So, like, what about Current Hugo? Are you able to, to view it? Have you Oh, yeah, watched? no, you could.
0: No, no, I, I have it on DVD, and it's not in 3D. But it was released in theaters in 3D.
1: Oh, okay, I see what you mean.
0: Yeah, but no, you can get it without 3D. But it, it's notable for being the only, it's probably going to be the only Scorsese movie um that was shot it was it was shot in, it's this is important it was shot in 3d it wasn't a 3d conversion after the fact it okay, was it was he, yeah it was definitely shot the in only 3D. one though. yeah yeah
1: and sure. have you watched it recently uh as you said does the uh, cgi hold up yeah it holds up
0: pretty good yeah
1: pretty good
0: i'm satisfied yeah
1: i've always been curious why it wasn't able to make its money back because it's like critical acclaim, mm-hmm. right you yeah the, the the book itself uh, or what it's based on is just not popular
0: enough. Uh, I, don't, I think it came at the, the wrong end of the YA wave. Mm, yeah, let's see what you mean. Yeah. All right, let's get to your
1: second pick. All right. My second pick is called Love and Basketball. Oh, uh, yeah. it is a 2000 romantic sports film by Gina Prince Bythewood. Uh, she's, I would say, currently probably more known for, um, I didn't watch it. was uh The Woman King, uh, yep. which was like a really I didn't watch it, but my parents, one of their favorites last year, Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah, it stars uh Santa Latheth. Um, and then one of my favorite actors, uh Omar Epps. I'm a mm-hmm. huge house guy, and Omar Epps is just <laughs> he's just so cool. Um and yeah, love and basketball. I think it's a feel good film for me because Yes, it's a romance film, so of course there's a bit of heartbreak, but no spoilers. The heartbreak doesn't last so long and they just there's just so much love between the two main from beginning to end. It literally starts when they're 6 when they meet and start dating and then it ends when they're together forever, they have the kid and it's just so sweet, but what makes it even more uh different is even though it's sweet, it's love between the two. Mm-hmm. Um The central focus is absolutely on uh, Santa Lathan. It's on Monica wright McCall, the lead. uh, And she's the one who ends up in the WNBA. And Omar Epps um, pretty much bows out. So he can, you know, he he likes basketball. But uh, it's her first. It's Monica first. They have a kid and everything. And Mm. he's just so great about it. He's just so humble. Mm. And it's just such a nice, warm film from beginning to end. Whether it be love or the actions of omar epps who i love and you know he's he's the guy and i can relate to him in it (laughs) um and it's just yeah it's a great romance uh where the ratio of of love to to heartbreak is you know like a a billion to to near nothing so it's it's a heartwarming one for sure even though of course Mm. it's romantic there's a bit of a, a downfall but Mm -hmm. um, yeah it's also I think feel good in the sense it's just got a lot of nostalgia it's it's 2000 it's like right before (laughs) 9-11 and it's Mm -hmm. literally just everyone's happy playing basketball they're loving (laughs) each other and it's like even like it's set in like more not like a ghetto but like a more class. and there's no there's no heavy like gunfights or anything you know I'm not saying this film's realistic but it's just very warm. It's a very warm film, and, and that's okay every once in a while. Um, mm. I also like b-ball, and that's cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, loving basketball. It was 2000 pre 911. Different times, just chill, <laughs> love everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. It's something of a, a cinema crime that uh, Sanaa Lathan didn't become a bigger star. She's yeah,
1: so big. I I feel bad. I, I haven't really for, like she's loving basketball for me. I haven't really viewed much of her. Um, tv shows they're they're more i think she's in crime ones
0: mm-hmm. yeah no she's um she's she was also an alien versus predator which is uh, one of the first things i sort of saw her in um but yeah i mean she's she's such a great talent um and it's turned up in all sorts of things like raisin and the sun um yeah, best man i think she was in too Mm-hmm. so yeah i'm just trying to think of Sanal latham uh credits here um but yeah she she should she should have been bigger and yeah love and basketball is great um a great venue for her um just such also a...
1: it's uh it's produced by uh, spike lee so maybe it should be on that list you mentioned not the mm. uh,
0: the one other Spike. <laughs> oh inside man yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit um Okay, so for my actually I do have a sports pick. Um bit conventional, I admit, but um sometimes convention works. Um it is Rocky. It's uh John Avildsen's uh big film, uh directed or not directed by but written by Sylvester Stallone. He wrote the script. Uh famously he was trying to create work for himself. People liked the script and he said, uh well, I'm uh you can make it but i have to be the star which <laughs> made it hard to get into development but ultimately um was probably the right call um because it's hard to imagine uh anyone else but sylvester stallone as rocky balboa it's uh yeah
1: n- near impossible
0: near impossible, near, near impossible yeah yeah um but it's a story about this uh this man who's uh he's kind of like a is he a mob enforcer? I'm trying to. He's 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 on the shadier a side. Of, yeah, he's the he's man. He's on the shadier side of the force, but he's a big imposing guy. Uh, he never had much luck as a boxer professionally. Uh, as uh you know, Mickey is uh his eventual trainer puts it. He just didn't have he he had the heart of a fighter. He just didn't have the 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 skill. Um, but through sheer Uh, chance he gets a shot to fight the champ the all-time champ Apollo Creed Mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's going to be it's essentially this publicity stunt for Apollo's part but you know Rocky sees his shot and he takes it and it is uh, a brutal brutal fight Um, as you see two guys uh, just sort of pummel each other but uh, in it is like is is this idea that Apollo uh, having not had a real test Uh, of endurance for a while um, meets his match and sort of someone uh, utterly unlikely, this working class guy from Philly who was never going to amount to anything um, except for this one chance. And of course there's also the very touching romance um, between Rocky and Adrian who um, works in the pet store. And uh, I do enjoy, (laughs) I do enjoy this sort of like innocent persistence of Rocky dropping by the pet store to talk to Adrian and, Mm -hmm. uh, getting her to you know to go out with them and their their date i think it's at the the ice rink they go ice skating it's uh it's very cute um and are watching it knowing
1: what happens to her is Mm -hmm. it different or does it make it feel even more heartwarming
0: I mean, it's still heartwarming. It's, I yeah. mean, it's. I, I think you know when you get to Rocky Balboa and she's died, and you, yeah, I think you, you still feel that loss. I mean, their relationship's at the heart of all those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know going into Rocky 2 where he's, you know, the the fight is over. He said he's not going to fight anymore, and you know and he's trying to figure out what to do next after coming down on this high. And they're they're married and they're starting a family, and um, you know, he's having trouble. It's, I mean so much about what what drives him is um not this like trying to look like a big shot in front of her but that you know he's trying to you know make himself i guess worthy of of their relationship and that he's not just uh i know it's a line from a a different movie but that he's not just a bum that he's a contender that he's not just a bum (laughs) um also i mean Speaking of the power of positivity, I know a lot of people don't like that Rocky one, the Best Picture Oscar in 1976, but it was up against, and I have the list here in front of me, it was up against All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and Taxi Driver. And it's like, if you have that list of movies, Taxi Driver, Rocky, Bound for Glory, All the President's Men, Network, um, wouldn't you, like, how would this not win (laughs) I mean yeah it's not the best movie in that slate but I mean uh, you don't you didn't walk out of Rocky wanting to cut yourself as compared to some of those other movies Um, yeah
1: yeah well and some of those other movies even though great like Taxi Driver are objectively not the greatest from its mm, director I would mm, say
0: mm, Um, could be could be yeah
1: all right it's fair Rocky one no matter what the haters say (laughs) <laughs> hate those haters all right
0: let's get to uh your third pick
1: all right so for me um and it's kind of funny because you mentioned you just uh had some allergic reactions to some dogs you visited today <laughs> um but yeah my choice is two jokes. best in show no <laughs> no 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 hey if we were doing a top five Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but no, Christopher Guest, best in show. Uh, I love comedies. I love Mumblecore. I love mockumentary. I just Christopher Guest, you know, I love him. Um, you know, I, I'm maybe, maybe I'm a little jealous of Lee Curtis. You know, who knows? He's, I just, <laughs> I, I, I love me some Christopher Guest um, and Eugene Levy is hilarious in this. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just to feel good because it's literally just i like dogs and it's it's a dog show and mm-hmm. it's just the people at the dog mm-hmm. shows being interviewed and they're just all very funny but heartwarming characters who love each other and love their dogs and you know everything turns out fine like it the, the win is so wonderful it, it tears you up uh, it's just eugene levy being being cute you know it's just like very like humble like heartwarming. It's just a, a cute event that occurs. I don't <laughs> want to spoil it for anyone, but he deals with the the one disability and really uh, fights against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Catherine O'Hara, outstanding in it. Jennifer Coolidge, you know she's great in it. Um, Fred Willard, Ed Begley, uh, two of the best. It's it's just outstanding. Um, and like I said, th- like there's no negativity even the the losing is is positive it, it means that you know eugene levy gets to go up and and fight against the the views his disability got mm-hmm. um and uh also it's from like uh 2000 It's from 23 years ago and uh jamie lee curtis and jennifer Coolidge in it are like openly gay they love each other and they're like a great couple um so just watching it just that that feels good that adds some warmth to it you know Mm -hmm. and it's just all around the best uh at least for me chris for guests um because it's just a bright smile from beginning to end uh but unlike Kung Fu Hustle which is very abrasive very action-packed this one's (laughs) just so calm so if you're like in that kind of mood for a feel-good like Mm -hmm. just a real light almost euphoric kind of trance of enjoyment but no heavy mental exercise needed best in show
0: is is perfect mm-hmm. yeah that's it just uh just it just happens you just let it flow it's uh, i mean that that's taps into sort of like the improv of it too that's
1: uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's a lot of great very, very warm
0: yeah a lot of great improv performers in there katherine O'Hara, michael mckeon uh ed Bagley jr uh, mm-hmm. Bob Balaban, like a lot of these people, Christopher Guest use, uses again and again too. Um, so yeah, no, that's a good pick. Um, again, I went kind of—I uh, don't know—obvious with uh, <laughs> with my final pick. Um, maybe it's because I'm, you know, the, the, the calendar has turned to November as uh, this as we're going to air. Um, so perhaps in a bit of a Christmassy mood, let's say, uh, even though only really the last act of this movie takes place during Christmas. The fast hey, Christmas the movie.
1: is a part of it. It's a Christmas film.
0: That's my mindset.
1: Die well, hard. It's a Christmas film. Gremlins. It's a Christmas film. They're all Christmas <laughs> films.
0: We, we may have to reopen this debate later. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a wonderful life. That's my other pick. Uh, oh, so good. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting that the timing of this. It's the first movie Frank Capra made post World War II, so it's you know still on his mind. It, uh, though it's not about World War II, it sort of is. It's about um, this guy George Bailey. He's had big dreams all his life. Uh, he keeps missing his chance due to you know different reasons. You know mm-hmm. he's supposed to you know go on this world trip. And then go to college, but his father passes away suddenly. So he has to take over the family business. His brother Harry's supposed to come home to take over the family business. Um, when uh, when he graduates uh, college, uh, but while he's away at college, Harry meets uh, his uh, significant other and uh, he's going to marry her, and her father's going to give him a job, which means George Bailey still can't go away. He has to stay in town. Uh, he gets offered a really great deal to. <laughs> finally leave the family business but it's being offered by literally the worst person in town um so he uh he refuses on principle and uh we just see george bailey struggle and struggle and and do the right thing until he finally is his will breaks when um poor uncle billy loses uh the day's deposits and uh you know it, 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 george goes on a little journey of self-discovery about what the world would look like if he hadn't been born and it, it, essentially the film is positing um the goodness of just living a good moral life of uh you know going out there and doing your best yeah sometimes you don't live out your dreams i um, although you know marrying donna reed is a pretty good plan b if you <laughs> ask me but um but it it is uh it's sort of life affirming in that way just because your life doesn't turn out the way you want it to doesn't mean you you aren't living a good life and that you're not a good person um and that you know sometimes a dream is something that you didn't know you wanted um and there's something very pure about that and uh i i I can see why maybe it hit it didn't hit as well when it was first released and you know uh coming along airing on tv for years and years it sort of it became a more of a hit more of a staple but um i'll, I'll never not watch it's a wonderful life if it's on tv and i i you know because i'm a i live in the past i do have it on blu-ray as well so i can pop it in anytime. time uh since so again it's not explicitly a christmas movie but uh um, I, 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 warms, I, 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 warms the heart yeah, warms the heart yeah yeah warm's hard any time of year. Well, and it
1: also it deals with like
0: cuz he's like thinking about killing himself, right? It, it deals mm. with like
1: serious serious dark, matters. Dark stuff, dark stuff. Yeah. Um but uh that makes the goodness of it feel even better. So yeah, it can it can have uh it can have darkness but still be a feel good. And yeah, I think it's a wonderful life is is a perfect example of that.
0: Mhm. And uh y- you know going into our movie this week uh, which is also in a way uh, about a, a miserly wealth obsessed old man who's destroying a town from within um <laughs> although that's kind of an oversimpl- oversimplification for killers of the flower moon but uh, we are going to get into that movie after the break you are listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio It's gonna be this way Your job's a joke, you're broke Your love life's D.O.A It's like you're always stuck in second gear And when it hasn't been your day That Bill Smith didn't take the proper care of Minnie the way he could have. To have her second and die, take her hand rights and her land. That oil should go to her sisters. your wife. Well, he's taking money that
1: by rights should go to Molly. My mother, Lizzie.
0: He's not a good shape. She won't care. last. Most Osage don't live past 50. When these women die? with how Osage suffer from illness,
1: you have to make it the head rats come to you. You see?
0: Okay, so that was a clip from Killers of the Flower Moon. It is a new film from Martin Scorsese, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Scott Shepard, Tantoo Cardinal, Cara Jane Myers, and Jesse Plemons. As the FBI, um, well, uh, Special Agent Tom White, who was uh, one of the first people recruited into the thing that would become the FBI, but uh, it's not really about that. Um, it, it's about a lot of different things, and I'm thinking a lot about how best to approach uh, "Flowers of the Killer Moon." Let's start with like simple things first, though. Uh, in in the debate about intermissions, Peter, are are you pro? <laughs> or anti intermission. Oh, I
1: I regarding this, I'm anti intermission. Like I'm totally mm. I think for plays it's always been a part of them. Like it's just a part of uh the art, you know. Um whereas for movies, oh, it's just like <laughs> I don't know, laziness, I guess. I I, I don't fully really, <laughs> I don't understand. I guess the reason is so people can use the bathroom, but like just go during the film. Like you'll miss it's so long. You miss like mm. a couple of minutes. Who cares? You'll just you'll be fine. Like just do that. Just use the washroom. It's okay to do that. You don't need an intermission. <laughs> well, what are your what are what are your thoughts? Do you think it's more for like a leg, a leg stretch?
0: Like uh, I guess
1: if it's a matinee and it's like dominantly seniors, like like I kind of get that. But again, you can just do a little walk to the bathroom. Like it's just You know yeah, what's I weird is intermission, I understand it makes it so you can use the bathroom or not miss any time, but mm-hmm is a lot of people that don't use the bathroom or who are totally okay with missing a few minutes doing it that it just really is is a mess it can really just kind of um uneven the mm. mindset of the film for some people
0: well what's weird is i i did see it at a matinee there were a lot of older people there i think i i sat on the aisle at one end so like uh, people would have to walk by me to go to the bathroom, and I think like there was only like one person who took a bathroom break.
1: Really, See, Every, I,
0: everybody was glued to their seat.
1: No, for me, like most people, it was also matinee and, and seniors, and most people went to the bath.
0: I think length is a state of mind. Like to me, Babylon felt long. Um, this didn't feel long. This is three this and a half. No.
1: It did not yeah. feel long. Yeah, at yeah. all, which is great. That's That's yeah. a, a, a positive of the film right there. Um, i think i, I th- honestly I, I i triple checked i triple checked after <laughs> that it was like sincerely three and a half right <laughs> no no for me getting to end i i it had my full attention and I, i'm not saying like it was a perfect film i do think it's great but it mm. absolutely catches your attention and not it's through really like high quality acting not just through shock or anything there is some shock but it's not yeah that's not that's not how it grabs your attention
0: yeah um no i agree i don't I mean Scorsese makes long movies. Um we were talking about Hugo a couple of minutes ago. That's like one of his shorter ones because it's like almost exactly two hours.
1: Well, and for kids too, right? It can't be so yeah, long.
0: It's that's that's true. But I've I've never found even his long, long movies, I've never found them long because I'm just sort of like immersed in that. Like the Irishman I didn't find. That was three hours, and I didn't find it long at all. I found that kind of no, stuff. So same same here. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh next thing, um, a lot of there's been a lot of discussion about uh the point of view of the film uh a lot of people have noted this should have been more of a focus on the point of view of the osage and i should point out the the, the killers of the flower moon is based on a book written by david gran it was a non-fiction book it wasn't a novel or anything um the full title, there's a it has a, an exorbitantly long title, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI. And, and from what I understand, because I haven't read the book, it's kind of split into like two things, like dealing with this is a real thing that happened in the nineteen twenties, a series of murders in the Osage Reserve in Oklahoma after oil was found. Um basically different groups of white people jockeying to take control of the oil rights that were owned by the indigenous people of the osage nation in oklahoma who of course had been essentially moved across country um from the southeastern united states to the midwest um and then the second part of the book deals with how that incident helped inform the creation of what we now call the fbi um but how do you feel about that, Peter? Uh, oh, well. should, should, Like, more from... Could you have... Well, should it have been more from the Osage point of view as opposed to the point of view of the uh, the dastardly white people stealing oil money?
1: <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely think so. I, I would have... I was honestly hesitant myself and kind of skeptical uh, to, like, you know, how, how would I feel about it, the film? And even though I really did like it, mm. um, and I actually do think it did a better job of um, indigenous matters than expected mm. it should have yeah it should have been by and like centered more on um uh, you know the uh indigenous the the osag in particular mm-hmm. um but like at the same time it's a blockbuster and there isn't like as mm. many like indigenous directors but maybe that's because we're focusing on it needing to be one that's right. like already famous
0: like we're not taking risks um well you're not going to take risks with a 250 million dollar budget
1: yeah no exactly that, that, <laughs> that's what i mean but it's too bad that the, it, the that, money is the itself, risk <laughs> yeah or that it is even a risk to get someone that like there isn't like a, a scorsese indigenous you know equivalent uh out there um, right but like even though that first um there has also been a lot of osags who are like also saying that themselves but then from what he was allowed to do and from what is an appropriate focus for him to give Mm. Scorsese uh De Niro and DiCaprio did a marvelous job um and it it definitely does not portray the brothers or at least um King Hale in a positive way um and it Mm. deals with like the issue all around but yeah no I think first things first it would have been better if it was yeah totally like more indigenous focused but um it's it's still better than not having more awareness of Mm -hmm. the osag incident
0: uh yeah i think i agree with a lot of that i think if scorsese had tried to make something from the like explicitly from the osage point of view he would have been pilloried yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and the, of course, the only way to get around that is, is of course, to either have sort of indigenous people um, writing the screenplay or have an indigenous person to direct that story. But, um, as as we were saying, you know, you, you don't get a $200 million budget for, mm-hmm. you know, in, indie filmmakers. Um, it's, I mean, that's... The... <laughs> That's the the long sh- long and short of the mm-hmm. the business. But I what what I appreciated was that this is Scorsese telling a story from a perspective he is used to. It's a very different type of story, but at the same time, it's a very similar story. And he talks about this. I don't know if you saw the pre show um, where it, it's an interview with Scorsese and he's talking about how um, the characters he's dealing with in Killers of the Flower Moon are not dissimilar. From characters he's dealt with in, you know, Goodfellas or Casino or Mean Streets, it's just that the landscape has changed, yeah. and I think, and I think that's his in. um You do get a lot from the point of view of the the dastardly white people, but I think, like, there's no, there's no like hero making either purposeful or accidental, and then like, there's a sort of blatant opinion. These are like bad guys who are doing bad things, and he doesn't even try to convince you that maybe there was some, I mean, we can talk about the character of Ernest, which is the Leonardo DiCaprio character, um, where things are sort of a little bit.
1: Yeah. Even even. Okay. Yeah. Because even with him, even though you can kind of do feel a bit bad for him at the same time, you never ever are against him, uh, like getting caught, like, or getting in trouble. You're never for the side. You're never for what you're doing. It's just like, he does him and his wife like do you display love. So there is some uh you don't always absolutely without a doubt hate Ernest, but he's also like you said, and luckily and deservedly never displayed as a good guy.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think he, I think where there's like sort of like a mushy gray uh bit is how it you know, how much of his I, I guess how much was did, did he like genuinely, love and care for Molly.
1: Yeah. we just don't know. I think it's, yeah. it's Scorsese got some information about it from the, I believe granddaughter. And mm. she said that they definitely like, you know, showed love, but
0: um, mm. Ernest could be a great actor. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it, it certainly shows that Ernest had like no problems, like plotting to kill her <laughs> family members and trying to, uh, ar- arrange these things um but i i think that's i i think yeah that, but then still like yeah
1: what like his his well i guess this is a spoiler i don't know but so i won't <laughs> but if there's the one point where he does though show mm. genuine remorse mm-hmm. and sadness to the loss of uh like a half in,
0: indigenous uh kid right so to, to his child yeah
1: yeah yeah it's okay to say it, it's based on a real. well life. it's history
0: it's history yeah it's history
1: exactly <laughs> um yeah and his kid is you know half indigenous um so like he must but maybe that's just because of the half white of the kid i i like i don't know but well uh, i
0: think it's because it's it's sort of like his kid and that's kid, that's sort yeah. of like the the turning point it's like you know he he realizes i think that there's there's a lot for him to lose and, and that he has been sort of like pushed. This is a situation where he's been pushed around and pushed around by Mm -hmm. his uncle played by Robert De Niro. Um, And, you know, he's kind of, this is him finally taking like a moral stand a right stand. And I don't think, I think he thinks he's being heroic in that moment. Where he's like, right. I'm gonna take a moral stand, but I I don't think the, that's how the movie plays it. I think he's just been somebody who's like sort of been beaten down, and you know, it, it's just easier at this point to just give up the game. You know, he's lost something real and precious, which is his child. And, yeah, yeah, you know, that's you.
1: <laughs> Whereas I bet I totally bet if William Kane Hale, he could honestly
0: watch his kid die, and I don't think it would change him. Oh, for sure. Much.
1: Like there's it that scene. The
0: there's that scene at at molly and Ernest's wedding where uh, molly's little sister's there and she has the quote-unquote wasting disease oh, um and he walks up to her and he's like you feel better now like we, we need you like good and strong and it's just it's just so oily and gross and you see him walking around leading up to that you see him walking around he has this kind of like stern face on he's got these like round glasses that you know <laughs> people who are jerks wear <laughs> and, and he's just sort of like scowling, and he sees her sitting there and he puts on the charm. It's just so oily and, and, mm-hmm. and frankly, a little satanic. Um, in, in, in like the real definition of that, we're not just how, how like people use it now, but just yep. there, there's this real like two facedness to that character that, um, is, is just so disquieting because I mean, I mean, maybe this plays how I did mean, like
1: fool them for so long, you know? yeah just like as as with the cinematography and us as viewers we get to see into his eyes right and we get to how did how did they miss it you know but they didn't yeah see all the killing we did but um
0: and and it's i mean he's so great and like there's that scene where um they're at like the tribal council and they're talking about we need to send somebody to washington to send investigators here and we're going to post a reward to like find out who's killing all of our like community members and then hale gets up and goes well i'm gonna add a thousand dollars to this reward (laughs) (laughs) he's putting a bounty on himself and he's like he's just supremely confident that it's gonna go nowhere and and this like this this process of of conspiring to kill and the violence in it too like the violence in it is i mean it's a scorsese movie so it's gonna be violent but um i i find it just like the the casual brutality of it like shocking there's a scene where like a a mother puts her baby in a stroller and she's into just like shot dead right there it's... yeah
1: and the one where they like for like a few days in a row like they go out and they drink and just have fun with the one indigenous dude and then like yeah he goes to grab the other the next beer case from the car They yeah let just shoot him and drive off like yeah that and all of the i found most of the killings there would be Like the scenes leading up to it would be like five second shots of back and forth dialogue. But all the killings were just like a still shot, which made it seem, at least for me, a lot more real and a lot more dark. Like just seeing from a long distance, just that indigenous guy grabbing a beer for his butt, just getting shot and you just see it from a far distance. It's yeah, it's it's it hurts. It really does. But like cinematography, like it's it's done well in the film. It's just it's not. it's, It's sad. It's sad to watch.
0: Rodrigo Prieto is the cinematographer and and yeah, he, so he does a lot of really great work here. Um yeah, and it's it's I don't know if it's Scorsese because because he's trying to walk such a th- you, you can sort of feel him trying to walk such a thin line because he knows like he's he's walking on a live wire here. Um but he does this thing he does this thing in the opening where it feels like the beginning of casino a bit where Ernest arrives at the train station and you're, the camera's just buzzing around. It's going through like this madness, like people are getting off the train, getting on trucks to go to the oil fields. You know, you have hustlers walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes to this scene later, a little bit later um, when, when, I guess it's like the day the dividends are, get, are getting paid out from the oil field. And then you see all this, like you see the hustlers, you see the guys who are like, how about a picture of this auspicious occasion for $40 and, or, or whatever it is. And then somebody goes, well, I can sell it to you for $32. It's um, there's just a sort of sort of like madcap nature. You get that roaring twenties feel, but then he just starts, he, he takes all that away. And mm-hmm. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out Robbie Robertson final, film score from robbie robertson um so great uh the the music is so great um
1: well it felt nice like the band's canadian right
0: like it felt it felt six nations down the street from where i'm sitting yeah
1: yeah it was it was fun
0: yeah but he scorsese takes all that away and he starts taking away the the fun and the music and the, the the weird camera tricks he does this thing where he films stuff like it's like like he's got newsreel footage or their old pictures um he's not using the actual like footage or or you know the pictures of of people in the past like he's there's a picture of you see lily gladstone as molly in this old looking picture and he's really playing with sort of like perception here um Mm -hmm. like purposely reminding you it's like this is real this stuff happened this isn't just me you know showing like another violent gang trying to get rich or die trying like this was like the systematic murder of a people for money by a bunch of like people who had a lot of money too mm-hmm. it's she, uh she just because you mentioned her me hadn't yet uh, mm. uh lily
1: gladstone did a, a oh, phenomenal phenomenal she's show. so good even she's when so she's good. just laying on the bed there's just so much displayed through her her face and her her dialogue
0: that's the um, thing. I, I, I was listening to a podcast and they're like they're saying like there's like kind of no like clip, like th- that clip when they do the, the the nominees for best actress are there's like kind of no like this is going into my acting real clip. Anytime she's on screen, she's saying so much with her face or her body language. It's not like a line of dialogue. And when she speaks, she doesn't raise her voice. No. Nope. Um it, it's just it's so much on body language and facial expressions and the look in her eyes and it's so good she's so good in every minute mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i um she's in it from beginning to end which i uh, yeah i love i myself i didn't know um about the historical event so like the whole mm. film i was worried she would be one of the the victims but no she's yeah uh, she's she's good she's she's in it from beginning to end everybody and yeah marvelous job
0: the movie plays with those expectations, too, because there's a scene where um her mother is is dying and she sees she has a vision of the owl coming into through the window. and um the mother explains, um by the way, the mother's played by Tantu Cardinal, who's like Canadian acting royalty um re- regardless of the fact that she's indigenous. she's had like a long, very very accomplished career. um, oh yeah, she's got the Order of Canada yeah um but she sees the owl she's like when you see the owl you know the end is near and of course there's a point later on where molly sees the owl and you're like oh my god no not molly (laughs) and but i mean that's not the beginning of the end for molly that's actually like the beginning of her like eventually reclaiming a comeback yeah and you know her her efforts start to pay off when the bureau of investigation arrives and um you know things start to be moving um it's it's interesting the movie isn't trying to say like the fbi arrived and you know everything was hunky-dory or it all ended i mean especially since what the fbi then spent the next 50 60 years doing but um it's not like everything ended happily ever after it was um it was that the the fact, I mean, and it wasn't like these guys were particularly clever either. Like these were crimes that were done in the open, planned in the open. Um, it's it's not that the FBI was especially smart. It's that these, the
1: laws were horrendous. These were and there was dumb. a lot of they <laughs>
0: weren't indigenous, so they had like a lot of power, a these lot were of control. Dumb crimes, and nobody cared about the victims. And like the fact that the doctors, like the doctors, got away scot free. That's amazing i mean it's not amazing but it is you know it, it is kind of something oh yeah because of all the <laughs> drugs they prescribed yeah that, yeah it's, like
1: yeah I, I don't understand that that's just yeah it's baloney it's um, it is but weird. but it's yeah but it's, it's displayed well in the film it's displayed well in the film for sure yeah um yeah i um what are your thoughts on um some of the uh more like tertiary appearances like uh huh? there's been like some buzz about Brendan Fraser what were your uh thoughts on uh I know it's been it's been a little mixed for him um uh, not was, mi- was... mixed is the right word i would say it's more it's divided cuz there's some people saying it's like one of his best others like I was, um,
0: I was fine with like, you get like to play the two lawyers in the big courtroom scenes at the end, you get two big actors. So they got John Lithgow as the prosecutor and Brendan Fraser as the the defense attorney. I was, yeah, I was okay with it. I, I I found it a bit jarring that his sort of like first line is this like, (laughs) it's like this court is out of order, like that kind of level of yeah But I could totally,
1: (laughs) I could totally see why
0: like William Cain Hale would pick that lawyer because he, it's
1: just or yeah. like, he's just crazy he only cares about himself he wants that that big jacket kind of lawyer you know yeah. um, so i i think Fraser did put all job portraying a, a big jacket 1920s lawyer you know like a big big suit big suit kind of guy yeah it didn't um, it didn't but bother i me. do yeah but i do understand other people saying it. it's like it, it's quite jarring it's quite um it's very separate from the
0: aura of everything before and after i guess what i find Um, interesting is like a lot of the musicians who have small parts like you have jason isbell yeah bill smith and durgel simpson's in it as um one of hale's accomplices uh you have randy hooser who is also a musician he plays the one of the the guardians like it's basically like the, the white guy who stands between the indigenous people and their money and jack white appears at the end as a radio announcer which was interesting
1: yeah that was cool um i am <laughs> honestly it, because like robbie robertson was um a friend of his yeah right and i think that's yeah. like heavy reasoning maybe he's just friends with these musicians too yeah it's on well with them um, he doesn't like play musicians or instruments at all, but um, I think he no. likes being a being a part of the music scene. He's from yeah. New York, right? I, I actually watched the um, season four, episode two, Kirby Enthusiasm." Uh-huh. Um, it ends with Martin Scorsese. It's like a ten minute karaoke, and he's just singing. So I, I think, <laughs> I think he just he lusts after these these musicians and and, and the art that they hold. Je- a bit a little jealousy, but yeah, he's able maybe. to depict it he's able to pick these musicians in his film, which for him is, is as close to making music as he can do. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it was necessary. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's not, (laughs) that's not, that's not Nepo baby, but it is like still other potential Mm -hmm. upcoming actors are losing a role because some uh, celebrities, some musicians, Scorsese likes are getting the role, but that's a small, I,
0: I, you know, this, this entire cast is stacked with all, kinds of great actors it's i think there there was enough room for everybody to play but yeah uh, uh what, about, what about uh Plemons? i think he's the only main we haven't uh
1: i i was a little disappointed not with his acting i thought he did great but i would have been okay if the character was in it more um mm, until till pretty late but i guess that would have taken away i was uh, i was fine focus but yeah okay okay that's
0: fine i think it's i think it's Molly's story and Ernest and and hale's story i think that's that's fine that they're the focus through the movie and i mean you yeah, know jesse Plemons. he's you know he'll get more work he'll be fine
1: <laughs> got a plemmons hater no, no no i totally agree <laughs> with you i totally agree um yeah it's just i guess i was just expecting him to be in it more so it felt a little strange waiting so long but uh mm-hmm. that that's on me that's on me for for my Plemons expectations because you're right it, it could have possibly taken away from molly time and that's what this film that's what this film's all
0: about. Yeah, it is Molly time. Uh, unfortunately, it's also time to wrap up the show. So the we hope you <laughs> we hope you liked it. Uh, you can listen to our show again by downloading it every Friday from our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. show.com or on the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean, or you can find us on your favorite podcast app like Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. We're also on Spotify. With a playlist for much of the music that you can hear on the show, just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I will return Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph on CFRU with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can go to my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And Peter, where else can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, as Peter Weston Salmon, I am available on the Letterboxed, <laughs> and as Mr. Towerak on YouTube and Twitter.
0: And that's it. Check it out. I appreciate you putting the emphasis on the D in Letterboxd. Um <laughs> Stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. Thank mm-hmm.